The town called Border nestled itself in the shadow of a tall hill, not far from the path of destruction. Once the group collected themselves and held a small memorial for the gnome known as Duchamp, our six heroes escorted the other passengers on the snowy trek toward the nearby city, with Azrael and Cortez supporting the weight of the still-recovering Benedict. So we won? We won? You slept. Aren't you supposed to be our bodyguard? Ugh, I wouldn't call getting knocked unconscious from being thrown into a wall sleeping. Yeah, leave him alone, Sabin. It wasn't his fault. Benedict, once we get to the border, we can get you an actual bed. Hey, Naya, you got some dangle root? I feel I could really take the edge off. Um, if you're any more incapacitated, you're not going to be able to walk. I have a salve that can help with the pain, though. Oh, everyone's a buzzkill. Night fell, and the lights of the border of the expanse came on. Figures in the distance searched the path of the train. I think this is where we leave the rest of you. Those are soldiers from the Imperial Garrison, and I doubt we'll be on their good side. Well, thank you for your assistance back on the train. I hope to never see you again, or at least not until a new piece has been found. Cool. No problem. I have no rails left to ride, but perhaps our paths will cross once more. It would be an honor to fight alongside you in battle. Aurora Nova and the Slayer of Ilkane. I... yeah. We would be honored to have you. Until we meet again. Hmm. Diana only upturned her nose and trudged into town, with Richard and her bags close in tow. Really? Not one thank you for literally saving your lives? Assholes! Did you get Wallace off the train? Who knows? Who cares? Let's get out of the snow. Where are we supposed to meet this resistance cell? My dad said there'd be a hut up on a hill. Well, I see... one hill... To the south. I propose we check there. While the party climbed, a strange shiver ran down Rowan's back. She stopped to overlook the town. Rowan dug through her bag and pulled out the golden spyglass the man had given her. Through the enchanted spyglass, she could see a dome of magic surrounding the town. Off in the distance, the flames of the crash were dying down, but smoke still filled the air. Except for above the town. Inside the dome, it looked to be a perfect little village. Snow fell, but it was light and airy. It clung to the rooftops of all the little cottages, abundant yet stable. Warm smoke rose from many of the chimneys. Though she could not smell them, she knew the streets smelt of sweet treats and roasted meats. 
She closed the spyglass. The idyllic little hamlet remained, but the dome encasing it vanished. Rowan turned to tell one of her companions, Hey! But they had already trekked further up the hill. <sighs> the entirety of the little hut shook with each knock. Is... is it you? Are you... Aurora Nova? So we've been called. Are you the resistance cell that contacted Valor? Yes, yes, come in. The tiny round hut had a table for all to sit, and a bed upon which they could lie Benedict. Their host was an elf boy who looked about their age, though his dark blue skin made that difficult to discern. Please sit. Uh, I'll go get some stew. When Valor said resistance cell, I think we assumed there'd be more than one person. Oh, there is. We don't band together often, so as to not raise suspicion. The rest are either camping elsewhere or on missions in town. Right. What did you say your name was? Oh, sorry. I didn't. My name is Shaw. No need to introduce yourselves, though. I already know your names. (laughs) So... What is the situation here? Uh, yeah, of, of course. Sorry. Uh, nothing's changed on Bernard's side, but something has changed on ours. Sorry, but is it really that bad around here? It looked pretty perfect down there. It's all an illusion. What? <laughs> what do you mean? A strange feeling pricked at me while we climbed the hill. So I used that spyglass the man from the forest gave to me. The entire village is encased in this invisible magic globe. Bernard must be deceiving everyone here in order to hide some sort of wrongdoing. How astute. This is uh, the the first I'm hearing about this, but... What is this Bernard like? Does he have the power to cause this kind of illusion? What kind of opposition are we looking at? Where does he live so I can get him while he sleeps? Stop! Sorry, I, um... (laughs) it's It's a lot of questions, and I'm only one elf with two ears. Um, to answer your questions, Azrael and Sabin, I do know where he lives, but he has a sizable protection force in the town guard. So sneaking in to slit his throat won't be as easy as you think. That's what you think? Bernard is our age. He's already capable of creating that illusion you saw, and so much more. That makes no sense. If he's our age, then he wasn't alive when Cassius staged the coup. His father, Charlemagne, sided with Cassius at the time. And not too long ago, Bernard killed him and took over. Oh, fun. Him and Theo would get along well. You know, with the whole patricide thing. Hey, there's a difference between killing your father in pursuit of his power and accidentally causing your father to perish at the hands of his own demonic ritual. And even then, that was technically Cortez's fault. Hurtful, but true, I suppose. She has a point, Sabin. As I was saying, 
Bernard was a weakling with no chance of ever standing up to his father until he found this. Shaw pulled out a crystal globe that had a swirling dark blue cloud inside. Which is what exactly? At first appearance, it looks to be the crystal ball of your typical charlatan fortune teller. But this is the crystal ball of the goddess Casilda herself. An artifact of fantastic and chaotic magic. The crystal ball of a goddess? You just hold it in both hands and speak your desire. Fate then decides whether you receive it or not. You guys don't actually believe this, do you? Benedict, lie back down. I'm fine. You're saying that I just hold on to the ball and I get my wish? More or less, yes. Bullshit. No, it's not. You're seriously buying this crap? Well, we have encountered a great many strange things in our journey. Oh, come on, Rowan. Aren't you supposed to be the wise one? Benedict, please. You're not supposed to be the dumb one. I am. You're supposed to be the silent muscle. If this thing's so great, how come Bernard let it slip out of his hands, huh? Exactly. Shaw here is just wasting our time. I really am not. Oh, really? Yes! Prove it. Why don't you just try it yourself? Fine. I will. Benedict snatched the globe from Shaw. I wish I was the richest man in this whole town. See? In an instant, the cloud in the globe turned golden, and a large bag of coins appeared from thin air and crashed against Benedict's chest, knocking him out of the chair. Do you believe me now? Naya took the bag away from Benedict's chest and dragged him back into the bed. Well, are, are, you, are you just not going to try it? I, I don't know. I don't like what's going on here. I'm worried about- Come on, I think it's fine. Sabin grabbed the globe. I want to be able to go anywhere without anyone noticing me. The cloud within the globe turned clear. The globe could only be seen by the faint glint of light on its surface. A moment later, Sabin's fingers disappeared, then his arms. The invisibility spread across his body until all his companions could see of Sabin was the outline created by his still visible clothes. Okay, not bad. Gotta figure out a clothes workaround. Sabin? Uh, are you okay? Can you control this? I don't know. Let me try. Well, uh, apparently not. But that can be another problem for another day. While Sabin spoke of his new power, Azrael's eyes were fixed to the globe. Within, he could see all possible futures. Him as king 
bringing a new era of peace to Glaston, his faithful companions at his side. But nightmares accompanied the triumphant dream. In the swirling fog, Azrael saw his friends lying dead in a grand throne room, with him helpless to save them. You failed them, just as you failed your father. No! Azrael grasped the globe. I need the strength to defeat Cassius. The clouds within turned a violent red as fate rejected him. His armor became unbearably heavy. Azrael withered and his muscles atrophied. He fell from his chair, unable to move from the crushing weight. Azrael! While Rowan rushed to Azrael, Cortez stared deep into the globe. He saw the thousands of thousands of ways he would die, torn to shreds by vicious monsters, filled with arrows by enemy archers, executed by his own people. Save me from death! The clouds within turned grim black. The half-orc watched as age set rapidly into his hands. Soon, they were too weak to hold the globe. Cortez! Cortez's hair turned gray and then stark white as lines burrowed deep into his skin. He fell back into his chair once more, unable to stop the onslaught of time. He stopped moving. His skin pulled away from his bones. Hair fell off his scalp. His eyes disintegrated in their sockets. For a moment, his naked skeleton sat there before it too turned to dust. <laughs> Turning from Azrael, <laughs> Rowan pulled out her spyglass once more and looked at Shaw. You're an illusion too. You must be Bernard. As chaos swirled around her, Atara felt a mounting panic. Two of her companions had withered away before her eyes, and one had disappeared altogether. Fate seemed to be on Bernard's side, on Cassius's side. What chance did they have? I, I wish none of this had ever happened! Atara felt a cold, smooth surface in her hands. She had grabbed the globe. The menacing black cloud inside stopped its violent churning. All color drained from the cloud as it split into tiny pieces. A peaceful flurry of snow filled the globe. Prince Apathar Musania touched the food on his plate with disinterest. On his right, his father rambled on, but his uncle, King Fordenbrah VIII, did not listen. Seeing his lack of appetite, his mother gave him a small, understanding smile. Abathar returned the smile, then looked at the other assembled guests. At the far end of the table sat the newest guests, emissaries from Highgate, the High Watches, and their daughter, Naya. Perhaps in an effort to keep her occupied, Mr. and Mrs. Highwatch had allowed Naya to bring along her boyfriend, Benedict Dracos. Wait. Something was... off. The Golden Leaves, Valor, his wife Nessa, and their son Logan sat across from them. <sighs> Azrael's head ached with the dissonance. 
Abathar turned his gaze to the seat across from him. Sitting there, next to her mother, was his cousin, Princess Atara Atana. Abathar? What the fuck is going on? The reign of the mighty Atanos, King Fortin, Bra, and Atala, Abathar and Cordelia, may they reign o'er us forever. Ooh. Ooh. Long live the great Atanos. Legacy Saga is produced by Welcome Mat Radio. Written and narrated by me, the artist currently known as Moss Monapoli. Sound design and audio engineering by Austin Olivia Kendrick. Additional sound editing by Sam Trout. Vocal direction by Matthew Moore. Music direction and composition by Emma Whitley and Mac and Carol. Full cast lists can be found in the episode description. For more detailed information about the show, visit our website, welcomemattradio.com or follow us on Instagram and TikTok at welcomemattradio or on Twitter at matt underscore welcome. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to tell us what you think over on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice so you don't miss out on the story. (laughs) 